Well, I'm sure our rabid Hawks fans are tuned into what Connor Bedard is doing right now. In the World Junior Classics, Team Canada against Team Germany. Right now it's 7-1 to Canada, and as I speak, it's 8-1 Canada. Already a hat trick for Connor Bedard. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live, taking you up to 8 o'clock tonight. We've got a lot on the show tonight. We're going to talk to Colby Cohen. We're going to talk to Connor Murphy. And we're going to talk a few things all around the NHL, not just the Blackhawks, uh, not just World Juniors, and not even just the Winter Classic, but all those things included. A rough night for the Blackhawks last night, a 3 nothing shutout to the Carolina Hurricanes. It's the second time they've been shut out by Carolina, 3 nothing. They won't have to face them again. Um, the one positive to pull from that game, I, I, I should say two, actually. Peter Mrazek with a very nice game. Uh, he stopped a season, rather career-high, 46 saves. In last night's loss to Carolina, he had a career-high 49 shots on goals faced. And then also the third line of Andreas Athanasiu, Jason Dickinson, and Sam Lafferty looking like they're starting to generate some chemistry, which is huge for the Blackhawks' scoring depth because they don't have much of it right now. So if they can get some more consistency from that top line of Tyler Johnson, Patrick Kane, and Max Domi, and then if that second line of Taylor Radish, Jonathan Taves, and Philip Kurashev can pitch in along with the third line that we just mentioned, then you start to get a little bit more consistent effort offensively from this Blackhawks team. But Luke Richardson has definitely had a difficult time piecing together what guys work with what guys on what line. And it's taken some time. There are a lot of new faces on this Blackhawks team, even though we are nearing the halfway point of the season. It's still going to take some time to develop some chemistry, not to mention the multiple injuries that the Blackhawks have been dealing with this year. But uh, again, a rough night against the Carolina Hurricanes yesterday. The first period is one you could pretty much just throw out the window. Uh, But their performance in the second and third periods, I thought, were some good adjustments. Uh, Did a better job of limiting what the Carolina Hurricanes did against them. Now, granted, part of that is because Carolina already had a 2-0 lead. But still, uh, we saw some great work from Peter Morazic. I've mentioned it before. The goaltending for this team is such a huge aspect for a Blackhawks team in year one of a rebuild because it allows you to stay in games longer, gives something for your team to play for a little bit longer. And if you saw the end of the game towards the end of the third period last night, the Blackhawks aren't giving up, even though they're down 3 nothing, even though they're going to lose the game. They're playing for something. They're playing to not be shut out. They're playing for their goaltender in Peter Mrazek. And I think that's worth noting. I think that is worth pointing out that even though this year has been and continues to be so difficult, this is what a rebuild is. This is what it, ta- this is what it takes to get a generational talent, or at least try and get a generational talent like Connor Bedard. And again, we're going to talk plenty about him later on tonight. Um, that's what it takes. You have to go through these growing pains. You have to be patient in these instances. And just, just think about the team, the kind of mental toll it takes each and every game coming up short. How do you stay motivated? How do you stay positive? We've been given a lot of credit to Luke Richardson throughout this whole year about that. And I think it is. The, the proof is in the pudding during the morning skates, during the practices, 
and during the final moments of the third period in regulation, even though they're down 3 nothing, We've got a lot to get to. We're going to talk to Colby Cohen of Blackhawks TV and Radio when we come back. We've also got Connor Murphy joining the show as well a little bit later. You're listening to Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. Of course we come back with careless whispers. Why wouldn't we? Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. Hey, if you were listening to the pregame show last night, we had pointed out for a goal to be scored in the first five minutes for a payout of plus 172. That did end up happening, unfortunately. It was for Carolina in route to their 3 nothing victory over the Blackhawks. But it was a positive payout. We give out some suggestions every single game. By the way, Blackhawks Live is partially sponsored by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get. We've been keeping an eye on the World Juniors, especially this game between Team Canada and Team Germany, and so has Colby Cohen. He actually sent out a tweet right before the game pointing out a couple of uh, Blackhawks prospects to uh, really utilize this opponent in Germany along with Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard has carried his heavy load already, Colby. He's got a hat trick. Actually, there's, what, two hat tricks in that game? It's really fun to see uh, this guy on the biggest stage at the moment for where he's at right now. Connor Bernard, who's not playing in the NHL right now, and and I haven't really got to watch him this up close and personal before because I didn't really watch World Juniors this past summer, um, and obviously I've seen his highlights. But Mike Johnson, who's the analyst, you know, in this game on TV and and played a long time in the NHL, has just made some really funny, simple points about Connor Bedard and just how freakishly good he is i mean he, he just is so good i mean i am watching this kid play thinking i mean he could be a, an impact player in the nhl right now i just think he's that good already well it was it was just recently on the assist he got from kevin korchinski in the neutral zone where he's coming down the left wing he's leaning left it looks like everything about him is going left and then he shoots right and he actually had a goal just a little bit ago, too, on the other side of the ice where kind of that same situation. It's just his ability to do with to do whatever he wants to do with the puck on it's, his release. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and, and, then, and then, Joe, on the last goal Canada scored on the power player, one of the last goals, you know, Gunther scores that goal because Bedard starts walking down the right side and he's – He's pulling the puck in like he's going to shoot the puck, and now you're worried about his release and what he does with the puck. And Gunther scores the easiest goal he's ever going to score. <laughs> he's standing over there on the. I mean, like I'm watching this and I'm like, this guy passes the puck, uh, you know, like, like Patrick Kane passes the puck. Right. I mean, it, it is incredible to watch Connor Bedard with the puck. His first touch when he gets the puck in traffic is just. I mean, it's it's. It's exciting. I mean, as a hockey fan, it's really, really exciting to watch. And and this Team Canada is littered with with Blackhawks prospects. And this Canada team is a hard team to make. I mean, if you're a prospect and you're making Team Canada at the World Juniors, you've got a future. I mean, you're going to get opportunities to play in the NHL. Yeah, and that being said, what, four Blackhawks prospects on this team right now? Nope. Nolan Allen? Yeah, um, it's it's funny you bring up Patrick Kane because 
that actually is is what he reminded me of in terms of what you were saying, where it looks like he's going to shoot, it looks like he's going to shoot, but then he ends up passing. I mean, that's a weapon in itself. When you're that lethal as a shooter, as we've seen Patrick Kane do so many times, it, it leaves the goaltender just guessing the entire way down. And uh, again, it, it it's just really spectacular to see it. I'm with you. I haven't had a chance to really sit down and watch it or watch Connor Bedard. You, you watch highlights and things like that. But when you just zone in on him, when you focus on him and him alone, you're able to see how much he creates offensively. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it, it should it gives you a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, hoping that this guy can end up in a Blackhawks uniform. Because again, like. There's not a Connor Bedard in every draft. Right. These are these are the guys that come along every five drafts, you know, or or you know, you had Kane and and you know, Caves and then you know, Crosby, Ovechkin, like these guys don't come around that often. These generational players, uh obviously McDavid, you know, but like they just they don't happen every year. And this guy looks like he's one of those those players. So I'm enjoying watching him. I'm not going to lie. I'm not usually sitting in front of the TV watching Team Canada that closely. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, it is a little bit hard for me to be tweeting about Team Canada, but that's where all of our, our prospects are. So, um, but I definitely am enjoying watching Bedard. I think Korchinski uh, just impresses the hell out of me the way that he skates and moves the puck. I think, I think with Korchinski, the thing that probably excites me the most is Everything that, that, that Kevin Korchinski can do, you can't teach. Hmm. And the little, you know, things he needs to work on in his game, like maybe, the, you know, at times probably thinking defense a little bit more, maybe, you know, strength a little bit, something he'll continue to work on. Remember, he's 18 years old, right? But his gifts as a defenseman, the way he gets back on the puck and the way that his vision allows him to break pucks out, I mean – you know, I think about like how Eric Carlson was early in his NHL career before mm-hmm. he became a total, total liability defensively. I mean, I see a little bit of that with Korchinski. I mean, he just gets back on the puck and breaks pucks out so easily. Luke Richardson, like we were talking about this in the pregame yesterday and throughout the game, and then Luke, I think, talked about it in the postgame that, you know, and, and, you know, Luke was a defenseman, so he sees the game through that lens, but the whole game starts with the ability to break pucks out. If you can't break the puck out, you're, you're not going to be successful in, in the NHL. I mean, you think about those Blackhawk teams that were winning Stanley Cups and competing for Stanley Cups from 2010 to, what, 15, 16. Like, you look at their decors and you look at the way those guys could break out pucks. I mean, obviously, Duncan Keith was, was the horse with his feet. Seabrook could break the puck out. Jalmerson could break the puck out. Van Riemsdyk was break. Like, they just, they, they, they had these defense that could move the puck so well. And I'm watching Korchinski, Allen, Del Mastro. These guys can all move the puck. They can all break pucks out. They can all use their feet. They can all use their hands. They can all get their head up. And, and I like it. But, but, but really, Korchinski, he, he stands out to me with, with his ability to skate and his ability to, to, to use his vision to, to get the puck out of his own zone. And, and then he joins the play, and he's always moving forward. Like, he's a new-age defenseman. I know you didn't even ask me about him specifically, but I'm no, going to no, of course. anyway because I'm, I'm watching Team Canada. And 
When you watch Kevin Korchinski play, he rarely skates backwards. Hmm. He defends moving forward. He's constantly moving forward in your face like Roman Yossi. Roman Yossi doesn't, never skates backwards. Even when he's defending, he doesn't skate backwards. He's moving forward, always moving forward. That's, that's how Korchinski looks to me. Like he's got a little bit of that Roman Yossi in him, um, which, which again, like fans should be excited. I mean, I know it's going to take a little bit of time, but when you watch the World Juniors, like it, it should excite you for what's to come. I definitely remember being impressed by Kevin Korchinski's puck pursuit during prospect camp. He like exactly what you said. It's it's the things that you can't teach. It's just his ability to, no matter who on the other side of the ice is going after the puck, just his hand-eye coordination, positioning his body the correct way to try and get to it as quickly as possible. Uh, we're talking with Colby Cohen. You notice him from Blackhawks TV. You've also heard him here on seven twenty WGN. Uh, the Winter Classic this year, Colby is out at Fenway Park. The last time that happened, not too long ago, just, wow, let's see, 13 years ago, um, and you were lucky enough to be on the ice at Fenway Park. What do you remember most about that? Yeah, so so it's you know, I've, I've been really fortunate to be a part of a number of, of Fenway outdoor uh, events. Um, you know, got to play in a BUBC game there. I've got to do some some broadcasting there because they've put a rink at Fenway in years past over the last like 10 years. And I mean, look, uh, for someone who went to school in Boston and, and uh, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to, to get to throw out the first pitch at Fenway park before. And uh, you know, the history of, of that baseball stadium or park is, is so incredible um, that, that I, I love, being a rink out out at Fenway Park and 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 getting to see uh, this matchup, you know, obviously two teams that are playing well, the Bruins and and um, uh, the and the the Pittsburgh Penguins. Penguins yeah. Mike Sullivan, who's the, the the head coach for Pittsburgh, he's a Boston guy. There's, so there's just there's so many connections back to Boston in the hockey world. So I, I'm really looking forward to this. I I got to do the the Winter Classic a number of times for Westwood One on the radio including the Blackhawks at Notre Dame a couple years back. Oh, and yeah. I just, I'm always enamored and, and wowed at, at how unbelievable of a job the NHL does with these winter classics. And Hey, I, I hope to see a winter classic back in Chicago here soon, because after getting to experience Wrigley for the first time this year, I can imagine it's a very similar feel to Fenway park when, when you put a rink on it at Wrigley. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, we'll have, we have a game that day, but obviously we'll have our eye on on what's going on over there at uh, at Fenway Park. And I'll actually be in Boston this Friday doing uh, BU against Harvard. So I'll, I'll actually be back in uh, good old Boston this week here for about 24 hours before I head back for our game. So uh, always always puts a smile on my face to see stuff like that. But but ultimately I'm I'm. I'm hoping to see an outdoor game here in Chicago, you know, in the near future. It was really cool both times it happened at Wrigley and then at Soldier Field. Uh, so Fenway just kind of opened up the opportunity for there to be another Winter Classic at the same venue. I'm sure Southside fans would love to see it over at Guaranteed Rate Field. It's the only outdoor uh, arena that hasn't hosted a hockey game just yet. The crazy thing, though, is the Hawks aren't very 
good in those outdoor games. They've won one outdoor game, and that was the one at Soldier Field when they just kind of thwomped the Pittsburgh Penguins and Marc-Andre Fleury. But other than that, unfortunately, I know they've lost at Wrigley. They've lost uh, Minnesota, St. Louis, Washington, Notre Dame. It's just the weirdest thing. But it, it obviously, the Blackhawks had been such a marquee matchup for all those years because of how much talent they had. I don't know if I've ever asked you this before, Colby, but when you threw out the first pitch, did you make it across? Was it a strike? I have been fortunate enough to do it twice. Oh, wow. Time, so one time, the whole team lined up. It was after the 2011 Stanley Cup. They lined up our whole team across the okay. mound and sort of the infield. So everybody got to throw a ball. Uh, I had my my partner in that was Mike Cameron. He was an outfielder. Oh yeah, um, really nice guy. Gave me his jersey, which was really cool. Huh. Um, and I I got it in there, you know. So there was no necessarily plate because I wasn't in the middle. <laughs> right, I, was, right. I stood off to the. I, I stayed in the back, as, as you can imagine. <laughs> but um, and and then when we won the national championship, I got to throw one too. Um, and having been the, 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 the one who scored in overtime, I got to throw it, and I did get it in, and, and I did, you know, get it across. But I, I certainly was nervous. I grew up playing baseball, so I, I was like, okay, you got this, you got this. But when you get out there, it's nerve-wracking for sure. I bet. Well, that's that's fantastic. That's cool. I didn't know you got to do it twice. That's that's really cool. Not many people in the world Just can lucky, say that. Lucky. I mean, they were they were very circumstantially lucky. Right hey, place, right time. You you create your own luck, saying. right? That's what they say in this sport, right? You create your own puck yeah. luck. All right. Hey, Colby, thank, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you being able to hop on. Uh, enjoy the rest of your night, and uh, we'll talk to you pretty soon about this team, okay? All right, man. Have a good show. See you, right. Joe. All right. Thank you. That is Colby Cohen of Blackhawks TV. Again, you hear him on 720 WGN every once in a while, too. Mike Cameron, by the way, once hit four home runs against the White Sox in the same game for the Seattle Mariners. And the only guy to score a goal at the United Center, Wrigley Field, and Soldier Field? Actually, why don't we leave that up to you, the listener? 312-981-7200. Can you tell me the only player to score at the United Center, Wrigley Field, and Soldier Field? This is Blackhawks Live. Steve Ruxton has the news next. You're listening to 720 WGN. Welcome back to Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN Radio. We're talking with Blackhawks defenseman Connor Murphy. Connor, how was uh, practice today? I know this team does a pretty good job of having a, a high-energy performance, a high-energy practice, morning skate, whenever it is, uh, even after maybe a rough loss. Same type of environment tonight? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it was. Uh, it's always tough kind of getting that first game in, especially on the road right after a break, not having been on the ice for a few days, and then uh, a lot of guys flying in the day of the game, getting up pretty early for that. So, um just a little bit of detail to get back uh, back on the right track uh, with our game and, and uh, correct a few things that we were a little rusty in getting back into last night. How was your Christmas break? It was nice. Yeah, just in Chicago and pretty low-key. And uh, it's always nice. Uh, it's obviously always a special time of year for everyone to enjoy. Uh, so it was nice to have a few days. It goes by quick, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, were you able to get any family time, any family visit at all? No, I... Uh, it was going to drive to Columbus to see my family, but had a little bit of issues getting there with the weather and driving and everything. So ended up, uh, not to say being stuck in Chicago, but wasn't originally the plan. So just me and my fiance, um, hanging out there. Very nice. Were you able to reconnect with your dad when, uh, the Rangers were in town though? He, they played on a back to back, so he didn't, he wasn't there the night before or anything, but I just, 
had a five minute talk with him at the rink. So not much. Um, and then of course they were on a back to back when we played them in New York too. So didn't really get oh, to do yeah. dinner there either. So we'll catch up at some point, maybe the end of the season, I guess. <laughs> uh, for sure. What, what do you remember, um, from your dad's playing career growing up? I mean, was there much crossover? What, what can you pull from your memory bank in that? Yeah, I was probably nine years old or so when he retired from playing and don't remember too much of seeing him on the ice. It was more, uh, the stuff being around the rink a little bit, showing up uh, in the family room and uh, going, getting to see the locker room and see all the equipment and everything. Uh, I think it was just so normal that, like, growing up as a young age, him playing. And then a lot of my memory comes more so from uh, from him coaching. Uh, he coached right away after he retired. So my bulk of my teenage years when I was taking hockey more serious were uh, him coaching. So it was a lot of being able to be around the rink in the room, practice practice days and everything, and seeing <clears throat> seeing everything behind the scenes uh, was a lot of fun, and I was definitely grateful to get that. Uh, a lot of people, whether where you live or just not having that connection, are not able to experience it, and been lucky to be around it for a while. Right. Well, since you were fairly young when he was retiring, do you have any memories of maybe any of his teammates that kind of made an impression on you at all? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know about teammates. The only guy that I remember being at a really young age in Atlanta where my dad retired. I just remember um, walking through the practice rink and walking around the corner and running into Danny Heatley. And mm-hmm. at the time he was the high draft pick and just coming up as a star player. So I just knew that name in my mind as a kid, seeing on TV every day and then seeing him with the teeth missing and stuff. And they have a typical hockey smile. Um, it was cool. And I don't, whatever reason that stuck in my head, not like, he was someone that I'd watched a ton or anything. It was just sometimes a kid when yeah, you run into someone that you see on TV all the time. It's it's kind of cool. Right. Yeah. Something you, you kind of never forget, right? Yeah. Um, and well, I asked that because, you know, there's a lot of a lot of kids running around the locker room nowadays and, and just over the years, I'm sure you deal with that. I, I don't know. Do you kind of try to go out of your way to, to be a friendly guy to some of the kids or you just kind of let um, them hang with their dads and, and have that experience for themselves? Yeah, I think everyone uh, gets excited to see kids around the room or rink or in general. Uh, just breaks up the monotonousness a little bit of monotony a little bit from just their similar faces of teammates and staff. So that's always fun. And I don't know, I would say it's out of our way, but yeah, definitely. I, I love kids and I love seeing uh, how excited they are to get the Gatorade and <laughs> candy or gum at the, around the room. And um, and it's just it's just fun to here at the young age if they don't have a filter or just hear what what they like and know about hockey and um what their interests are so it's always cool to see that and see their personalities how they relate to their parents that we get to know really well that's cool yeah it's just uh in some cases it's an endless supply of candy and gum when they yeah. walk in there yeah we're talking with connor murphy here on blackhawks live you mentioned being situated in chicago for the christmas holiday do you consider yourself a chicagoan after these past couple of years now uh, I guess so. Yeah, it's been, I think it's my sixth year here and, uh, I've been living pretty much full time. It might be three years now. Uh, started staying in the summer just to train and then it turned into just being here year round in general. And now, uh, my fiance is from Chicago. I'm sure that'll be a home base for us for a while. So, um, yeah, I definitely think I've been comfortable with it and gotten to know a lot of people, which has been awesome and knew, knew a good amount coming into it, just being from the Midwest and hockey circles. There's a lot of hockey families in Chicago. So it's been great. And, um, obviously been through city's been through a lot from when I came in, uh, the way it was from going through COVID to kind of coming out the other end now, 
Um, it's pretty uh, been pretty unique and fun to see um, all that Chicago has to offer, and that's what's cool about it. Is it feels like it is never ending. There's always something to get into or or see or experience that uh, that brings some new life to the city. It is hard to beat Chicago in the summer. What's one of mm-hmm. your favorite activities to do? Uh, that's a good question. I think I know. I like the restaurant scene a lot. I like to, uh, I like that there's endless amounts of possibilities of places and different vibes and uh, atmospheres you can check out. Um, so that's nice that that always seems something something to do or any time of day, any meal to get out and eat and check out different parts of the city. And then uh, uh, we all all the players like to golf. So in this in the off season, if we have a day on the weekend, we'll get out to the different suburbs of courses. And then, um, other than that, I know the lake's pretty, pretty special to have right there, but don't get out too much, I'd say on that. Um, and then, uh, just downtown, I guess all the different festivals and different concerts, it seems like every, every weekend there's something going up in the city, uh, and a big crowd around it. So it's hard to keep track of And Whenever you get involved, it's always a great time. For sure. We're talking with Connor Murphy here, a few more minutes on Blackhawks live. Uh, you say you, you've considered yourself a Chicagoan maybe for the past couple of years, but you're from the Midwest. Um, I don't know if you have noticed this or not, but the majority of the Blackhawks defensemen are Americans, and there's been a handful of games where all of the Blackhawks in the starting lineup defensively have been from America. Have you noticed that? Is is there any kind of extra pride there at all? Yeah, it's funny. I never noticed it or paid attention to it until... I don't know, five games ago or so, one of the refs came up to me out of nowhere and said to me, he's like, it's got to be pretty cool having, he said, how, how many D pairs do you think in history league have been all American? It'd be interesting to see. I'm like, I asked him what he meant. And he said, you're decor. And I looked at everyone. And it's, it's definitely true. <laughs> and uh, even more so, every guy played at the, uh, the NTDP, the U.S. national program. Um, obviously all, or I shouldn't say all different years. Me and McKay were on the same team. Jones was, Seth was a year younger than us, and Caleb was a year, few years, two years younger than that. Um, and then we have uh, Jack, and I'm missing one, I think. But yeah, we had uh, everyone that's kind of come up in the same path throughout the American system. So that is pretty cool and something we never even talk about or think about, I think, just because once you get pro and everyone's been in the league for a few years, so you kind of move on from some of that upbringing in the past. The game has evolved over the years, and clearly you've been not only playing it, but following along with it closely. Um, what, how, how has the defensive side of the game changed since you've gotten in the league? How much has it evolved? Because you see teams kind of trying to create the right recipe defensively and offensively, and, and even over the past couple of years, it's kind of swayed towards more offensively skilled defensemen, but now kind of going back to the uh, the big, gritty, physical guys. What type of movement or or evolution of the defensive side of hockey have you seen in your time in the NHL? Uh, yeah, I think I came in right on the tail end of, um, of right when there were a couple D-men that were just strictly big bodies that were meant to be physical and very, very simple. Um, and then did, you're right, it has gotten more so, I think, with the change in the, the rules. Uh, right around then, they were changing penalties to a lot more hooking. Um, and the refs were trying to just be super strict, uh, with a lot of the calls and that really required the D to skate a lot more and, and be able to, uh, whether it's be offense and play with the pucks, so you're not defending as much or, uh, or you'll be able to skate alongside a lot of forwards and not get called for, uh, grabbing and being physical when you're not in a, in the right situation defending. So, but, but I think 
it shows in hockey. It's a physical sport, and um, it does show that someone that's uh, strong defensively, it's it's always a valuable skill to have. Um, with the way with how offense has evolved to being so skilled, and teams have such good offensive schemes, that you still um, need to have uh, a lot of players that are very sound defensively and and willing to to play in some um, some key situations in front of the net. And it's exciting to see uh, how defensemen have evolved into some of them into the total package and new draft picks coming up where you have the size with the physicality, speed, and skill to go with it. Connor, great stuff. That's excellent insight. Appreciate the time, and best of luck against St. Louis tomorrow. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate having me. All right, that's Connor Murphy. We'll have more Blackhawks Live coming up next, 720 WGN. Another big thanks to Connor Murphy for jumping on Blackhawks Live. Another big thanks for the Blackhawks for making that work. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live, and this segment is brought to you by ComEd Energy Efficiency Program. We've got the business of hockey to get to in just a bit. But before we went to our previous break, we threw out the question, who is the only person, the only Blackhawk to score in the United Center at Wrigley Field and at Soldier Field. There's only one person ever to do that. And James from the 708 area code believes he has the answer. James, who's your guess? Um, Chris Versteeg, number 32 on the Blackhawks. Chris Versteeg, also number 23 on the Blackhawks at one point. I don't know if he was wearing number 23 uh, during what would have been probably only the Soldier Field game. But uh, congratulations, oh, James. You uh, you didn't win anything. I'm sorry. We don't have anything to oh, give away. No. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we appreciate you hanging on. You were on hold for quite some time. Where are you from, James? Uh, Oak Park. Okay, okay. Big Blackhawks fan. Did you call in the other day? I don't know. I may have. I I listen to GN all day. Uh, you know, I listen quite a bit, so I may have called for something else. Your uh, one of your, uh, it's not your number, but basically your caller ID pops up on the system, and I thought I recognized it from a post game <laughs> show. So that's why I was curious if you had called in before. But uh, I could have called in for something before for sure. Well, yeah. you had you had great points, and we had a phenomenal conversation, James. I'm glad it really stuck with you. So so glad I answered the question. And got that giant prize. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Well, you you enjoy that giant prize, James. But honestly, right. thank you very much for listening. Thanks for staying on hold, and uh, be well, okay? All right, thanks so much, guys. All Cheers. right, that is James from uh, Oak Park. And then also a shout-out to Andy from the South Side, who also had the correct answer, but uh, didn't want to wait on hold for absolutely nothing like James did. And I'm, I'm sorry we didn't have a prize to give out. We're, we're open to uh, take prizes to give out. We used to do that last year. Apparently not this year anymore, so if uh, anyone's out there that would like to give us prizes to give out, if you got a product you'd like to promote, hey, we're here. We're willing to. Uh, last segment here on Blackhawks Live. Again, this is the Business of Hockey segment, which is sponsored by the Common Energy Efficiency Program. I do have a little bit to nitpick, if you can call a $100,000 fine nitpicking. But the NHL fined Toronto $100,000 because they they had violated a certain collective bargaining agreement between the NHL and the Players Association. So basically, during the Christmas break, the NHL and the Players Association agreed that their players would be guaranteed three days off, and that's Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and the day after Christmas, December 26th. The Toronto Maple Leafs had the same problem that the Blackhawks did with that they had to travel 
because they had a game on December 27th, like the Hawks were in Carolina. The Hawks woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning, hopped on a plane, flew to Carolina, had morning skate, played the game, and then flew to St. Louis. I really think you could say that the Blackhawks were in three different states all in one day. But they had thought about flying the night before, but you can't do that because that's against the rules. That's against the agreement between the NHL and the Players Association, and the rule is stated as such, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and December 26th shall be off days for all purposes, including travel, and no club may request a player's consent to practice on such days for any reasons provided. However, if December 26th falls on a Saturday and the league has scheduled NHL games on that date, December 23rd may be substituted as an off day for all purposes, including travel, instead of December 26th. I think it's a little gray, but I I really don't think a $100,000 fine is necessary. I don't know. I could be weighing over my head and making that assumption, but I'll, I'll pose the question to our producer, Jack Heinrich, here on Blackhawks Live. Jack, if you had the opportunity to fly, if you had to work, if you had to work in Carolina, on December 27th, two days after Christmas, and you had to be at work that morning, would you would you rather fly the night before, or would you rather fly in the morning of and go straight to work? Night before. Night before. And I, I feel like <laughs> many players would like to do that too, but apparently you cannot request a player's consent. I get it, it's to protect the players. Yeah, give them some off time, but... That's that's a long day the Hawks had yesterday. It was. It was. And I know fans don't care about excuses right now, but you could definitely say that that played a part in maybe a slow start against mm-hmm. Carolina. I don't know. I, I feel like if the team, if the players are, somebody uh, chiming in, hopefully not on Southwest. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, tough day for travel, especially now. I, I honestly thought that that was the original reason of, of why there were some complications, and apparently that seemed to have been between uh, Buffalo and Columbus. Columbus couldn't even leave Chicago until maybe a day after they had played on December 23rd. So I don't That's know. It's a tough time to come here. <laughs> yeah, very tough. Um, but yeah, I, I just, and I get it. I think it's fantastic that the Players Association fought so hard for that. I mean, you and I got three days off. Well, I'm sorry, I did. I don't. I think you I did, did too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I know you're, you've uh, closely followed the Hawks, but I know you do a lot, a whole lot of other stuff here. But. Um, I think it's I think it's great that if you're in hockey, you know I have Christmas Eve off, I have Christmas Day off, I have the day after Christmas off. The NFL can't say that, the NBA can't say that, but man, they went to some great lengths to make sure that yes, we get the day off and we can't travel on it. Yeah, and it is good to have those three, especially because you don't get to see family a lot in season. And when I think Max Domi was talking about how his family came into the Chicago area, so that's good, but. I guess you got to sacrifice. Some players got to sacrifice one day um, of a long day, like the Hawks did here going to Carolina. Three states in one day. That's a lot. We'll see how they respond against the Blues, but that could make sense for that sluggish start because they look like their normal selves the next two periods. Right. Um, obviously, the talent gap with the Hurricanes, but yeah, it, it long day, and it's good they fought for it, but I guess there's always like a loophole or something that works out not in your favor when that happens. We've got, uh, I'm getting kind of chewed up on the text line about not giving away a gift. I mean, I 
don't have a gift to give away, or rather a, uh, a prize to give away for uh, James from Oak Park for getting the question right. What I was getting at is that used to be a sponsored segment, and we just happened to have a prize pack to give away. Um, I was doing it just for the fun of <laughs> trivia, but apparently people took offense to that. Um, I don't know. We're not in charge of the prizes. <laughs> We're not, but I mean, James, James, if you're listening from Oak Park, give us a call back. Give us your info. We'll we'll try to get you something. Um, heck, it's the holidays. As long as you're not traveling to Carolina and you can get it on time, um, and and you don't get fined from the NHL for a hundred thousand dollars. I don't think it sounds too tacky to ask. Uh, it, uh, anyway. We're just open for whatever anybody wants. Exactly. It's radio, and there we go. We get James from Oak Park. He's going to call in. Jack's going to take down his information, and we're going to give him something good. So congratulations to the texters that were very rude to me. Uh, you just won James a prize. Uh, don't know what it is just yet, though. Uh, the Blackhawks' next game tomorrow night against the St. Louis Blues. That'll be right here on 720 WGN, a 7 o'clock puck drop as the Hawks are down in St. Louis for the first time this season. They're going to wrap up the road trip in Columbus on New Year's Eve. A quick reminder that that game has been moved up to noon. It's at noon, so a puck drop at 12 o'clock. We'll have the pregame show at 11.30. The Blackhawks do play on New Year's Day. That'll be hosting the San Jose Sharks, and that begins a long seven-game homestand at the United Center. Not only that, the Winter Classic that we've been talking up so much that's actually going to be on WGN Radio. Uh, every year, WGN Radio, at least for the past year and a half or, or two years or so, has had the Winter Classic on the radio due to one of our partnerships. And how cool and fitting is it that Pat Foley and Nick Olchek are going to be calling the game on the radio between the Boston Bruins and the Pittsburgh Penguins at Fenway Park. Again, that'll be on WGN Radio, so you can catch that. The Hawks are off that day. They do have home games sandwiched around it, though. Again, hosting San Jose on New Year's Day and then hosting Tampa Bay on January 3rd, but it'll definitely be fun to uh, hear Pat Foley, the longtime Blackhawks announcer, call the game on the radio, just like he used to for the team back in the day. That's going to do it for Blackhawks Live. Big thanks to Connor Murphy. Big thanks to Colby Cohen and the Blackhawks for helping us out with both of those guests. Jack Heinrich is and always has been our producer this year. As the Blackhawks, again, coming off a 3-0 loss to the Carolina Hurricanes, take on the St. Louis Blues tomorrow night. We'll have that pregame show for you at 6.30. I'm Joe Brand. You've been listening to Blackhawks Live.